I have a question. Are you mowing in the dark? Welcome back, everyone, to a Faith Friday episode of the Mowing in the Dark podcast. I am your host, Aaron Sutter. Thanks for coming back for another Faith Friday episode. I am a little bit nervous about this particular one. Not so much nervous. I just feel unprepared. Uh, I've had a very busy week. If you listen to previous episodes from this past week, you'll know that I've had a bunch of equipment breakdowns for my lawn care business, and it's been just really frustrating. So it's been a rough week of trying to get some study time in for uh, Romans chapter four, trying to kind of understand what it's saying because it's a little bit more difficult than the past two chap or three chapters so i i had to do a, a little bit of digging here so i apologize in advance if this is not as interesting of an episode as some of the others but uh it is what it is i want to keep it going and i don't want to leave you guys hanging so uh we are jumping into romans chapter four today and it goes way back to to Abraham. Paul starts talking about Abraham, and he talks a lot about circumcision in chapter 4 of Romans. So uh, nothing graphic. It's just the, the, the purpose of circumcision and, and things like that, the whole reason for it, and all this different stuff that Paul goes into. So if you haven't listened to the other, uh, the other podcasts in the Romans series of faith Friday, go back a couple weeks to Romans chapter one. That way you kind of get the whole context of where we're going here and why Paul is saying this now in chapter four, because it kind of, it's going to seem like an abrupt start. And so I want you to be aware of that, that it's going to feel like a, Uh, like somebody turned on a light switch type of thing. So I just want you to be aware of that. Now, I want to make clear, I say this in every episode, and I'm going to continue saying it. I am not a Bible scholar by any means. I just like reading the Word of God. I like studying it. And so I do my best to give you guys the best interpretation that I can do after reading commentaries and things like that. So I'm not trying to be a Bible scholar here. If I get something wrong, please email me and let me know. My email is in the show notes below. Please email me. Let me know that you think that I said something wrong. I am more than happy to go back and listen to it and and correct it if in the next episode if I said something that wasn't right. Okay, so I, I'm here to learn too. I'm not here just to be the talking head. I am here to kind of facilitate Bible study in a way because I, I feel like the church today doesn't get enough Bible in their life. Um, I, I, most people don't even bring a Bible to church anymore these days. If they do bring a Bible, they, they have it on their phone. I venture to bet you that that 
app doesn't get opened up except for Sunday uh, of most people. Uh, most people have a Bible app. They read one verse a day. They think, oh, I'm spiritual. No, no, you're just lost. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of joking here, okay? But, but you need more than one verse a day, okay? You really do. Because that one verse is taken way out of context, you can make it say whatever you want to say because it's just one verse. And yeah, it could be an, an inspirational verse. But you know what? The gospel, while it's, it, it brings us joy, the gospel is good news, but we have to know where we are in life. We have to know who we are as a person, spiritually speaking, as a person, to understand and appreciate, really appreciate the gospel. There's so many churches today that, that don't ever speak a word about sin or about wrongdoing or about, about the way people should live, or way, the way a Christian should live. They stay away from that because, because that's not inspirational. That brings people down. You know, we, we don't want to bring people down. Look, I don't want to bring people down either. But we have, to, we have to realize the fact that there are people out there that don't know what sin is. We have to, we have to understand the fact that we, there are people out there that are attending our churches, maybe for the first time in a church, they don't know what sin is. And they don't know what, what true love is. A lot of churches today talk about love. Oh, God is love. God loves you. No matter what, God loves you. Well, no, that's not really what the Bible says. The Bible says, if you're not in Christ, you're an enemy of Christ. So, I mean, you kind of got to you got to read the whole thing here in its context to be really able to understand where God's love is coming from and where it starts and ends. All right? So, let's uh, that's enough of me jibber jabbering. <clears throat> Excuse me. My allergies for some reason just kicked up. I'm getting all froggy and stuff. So I'm going to push pause here for a second. It'll be like a snap of a fingers to you guys, but I got to get a drink of water. I'll be right back. All right, guys. So I'm back. Sorry. I, my allergies are, have been really bad the last couple of days. Uh, it's been cooler, but it, at night, which kind of, I don't know why, but it affects my allergies too, because we sleep with the door, the window open, not the door open. And uh, so I get that fresh air all night long, and my allergies have just been driving me nuts. So I apologize for that. And I apologize for any nasalness that is going on here, or clearing of the throat, but it is what it is. We're going to keep pushing through here. So let's jump into Romans chapter 4. I'm going to, the way we do it here, if you're new, is I read the entire chapter and then we go back to verse 1 and I go through it verse by verse and try to bring out what I can. All right. Sometimes I jump to a commentary just to see what else I can add there. And it, 
I just try to bring as much value to you guys listening as possible. If you're listening at home, grab your Bible and read along. I'm reading out of the NIV. Uh, the, the Bible commentary that I use and the Bible that I use, I will put those, excuse me, I will put those in the description below. All right, so let's jump in. Romans chapter 4. What then shall we say that Abraham, that Abraham, our forefather, discovered in this matter? That doesn't make sense. Let me try that again. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, discovered in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, when a man works for works, his wages are not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the man who does not work, but trusts God who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him. Is this blessedness only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? We have been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Under what circumstances was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? It was not after, but before. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So then, he is the father of all who believe, but have not been circumcised, in order that righteousness might be credited to them. And he is also the father of the circumcised, who not only are circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who live by law are heirs, faith has no value and the promise is worthless, because law brings wrath. And where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are the law, but also to those who are, are of the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, So shall your offspring be. 
Without weakening in the faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding in the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what had he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins, and, would, and was raised to life for our justification. And that's, that's the end of Romans chapter 4. Let's go back to the beginning. Verse 1. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, discovered in this matter? Well, we're going to find out. <laughs> All right. Verse 2. If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works... He had something to boast about, but not before God. So what Paul is saying here, and this is kind of the argument that the Jews of, of the church of that day, uh, the Jews in the Roman church here, they're, they're wondering, you know, uh, what about works? If, if, if someone does good works, they should be saved, Right. Because you have to obey the law. That's works. And uh, Paul, Paul is saying here, If in fact Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. So if Abraham was justified, he was saved by his works, then he had something to boast about, but not before God. Verse, two, verse 3. What does the scripture say? Abraham and this is, quote, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, end quote. So Abraham believed on God. If you, to understand Romans chapter 4, you kind of have to know the story of Abraham, because Abraham lived by faith. And God gave kind of the, the first law to Abraham. It's called the Abrahamic law. And so God gave that to him. And also with Abraham, he in, God introduced circumcision. Sorry, I have a hard time saying that word sometimes. Uh, so that's, and, and the Jews are asking about works because circumcision is a work, right? So let's keep going. Verse 4. Now, when a man works, his wages are not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. So, for, for me as a business owner, if I had an employee, which I, I do, my son is my employee, I'm not giving him his wages when he works for me as a gift. He earned that money. He, he deserves that money. That money is his. We have an agreement that he will work for this amount of money. In exchange, in exchange for his time, and that's what that's what Paul's saying here. 
Verse 5, however, to the man who does not work but trusts God who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. So, let me go to the commentary for this one here. All right, so this is good. Uh, I'm using the Believer's Commentary by William McDonald. And uh, again, that the link to that on Amazon is in the show notes below in case you want to pick one up for yourself. Uh, but this is what, it, what William McDonald says uh, about Romans 4. Okay, so let's read Romans 4 again, and then I'll read the comment, what the commentary says. Uh, actually, verse 5. However, to the man who does not work but trusts God who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. Okay, so here's what William MacDonald says. Shocking as it may seem, the justified man is the one who, first of all, does not work. He renounces any possibility of earning his salvation. He disavows any personal merit or goodness. He acknowledges that all his best labors could never fulfill God's righteous demands. Wow. So to to be to be considered righteous, that's the first step. You have to understand that you can't you can't save yourself. There's nothing you can do to save yourself. Verse 6, David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Verse 7, quoting here, quoting David, Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Verse 8, Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him. So if you're a Christian... If you have saving faith in Jesus Christ, David says you are blessed. Verse 9. Is the blessedness only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? We have been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. So Paul is getting to a point here. This this is all kind of working together. So I'm not going to say too much about this verse, but it's all working together in one cohesive thought here. Okay. So sometimes Paul takes a while to get to a thought. So verse 10, under what circumstances was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? It was not after. So it wasn't after he was circumcised. But before, see, circumcision in the in the Jewish culture of that day, anyway, the Jews in the Bible, it was a big deal to be circumcised. You, to be a Jew's Jew, you had to you had to be circumcised on the seventh day of after you were born. So, circumcised on I think it was the seventh day, anyway. Maybe it was the sixth day. I don't remember, but it was it was important. Okay. And, and so circumcision is a big, it's a big barrier for the Jews to understand how the Gentiles, anyone who is not a Jew, can be saved by Jesus Christ. 
because they've grown up in a culture where circumcision was part of the marker, was the marker that one was saved, that one was a Jew, that one was God's chosen. All right? He was, the, the Jews are God's chosen people, and circumcision marked you as that. All right, so let's keep going on here. Uh, verse 11. So uh, it was not before, but it was after. Or it was before, I'm sorry. Verse 11. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So Abraham had faith before he was circumcised. Because, see, God would have never told Abraham to be circumcised and circumcise your entire household unless he had already had faith. And that's what Paul is getting to here as we read on. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So then... He is the father of all who believe, all believers, but have not been circumcised. So Abraham's my father, my spiritual father, because I am a, I, a, to a Jew, I am a Gentile, because I'm not a Jew. All right? That, that's it. That's what Gentile means. You're just, you're not a Jew. All right? Uh, let's keep going here if I can find my spot. Um, so then he is the father of all who believe, but have not been circumcised in order that righteousness might be credited to them. So he's the father of the Gentiles because so that righteousness can be credited to them. Just like Abraham, our righteousness is credited to us. Verse 12, and he is also the father of the circumcised who not only are circumcised, but also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. So it's both. What Paul is saying here, to just to make it simple, is it's both. Both Jews and Gentiles can be justified by faith. Circumcision and works no longer have anything to do with it. It's by faith and faith alone. Verse 13. It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world. In other words, God promised Abraham that he would be the father of uh, too many people to count. Okay? (laughs) Is what God basically said. All right? But... Through the righteousness that comes by faith. So God told this stuff to Abraham before he was circumcised. He told Abraham, he gave Abraham this promise that he would be the father of many nations before he was even circumcised. And it come that that came through faith, not through circumcision. Circumcision was an outward sign of an inward change. 
verse 14. For if those who live by law are heirs, faith has no value and the promise is worthless. For if those who live by law are heirs, heirs to heirs to, to Christ, to God, faith has no value. So if you live by the law, the the Hebraic, I guess you want to call it law, or the Jewish law, faith has no value. And the promise is worthless. God's promise is worthless. Verse 13 or verse 15. Because law brings wrath. And where there is no law, there is no transgression. So for me as a Gentile, if I didn't know the law and Jesus hadn't come, there would be no I wouldn't be guilty of any translation or transgression because I didn't know the law. But for the Jew, if the Jew is living under the law, faith has no value, and the promise is worthless, and they're going to be under wrath because they can't live up to the law. Let's keep going. And where there is no law, there is no transgression. Okay, let me go to the commentary really quick because I think if I read this right earlier this morning... They brought something good out in that. All right, let's see here. Verse 14, where is it? If those who seek God's blessing, and particularly the, particularly the blessing of justification, are able to inherit it on the basis of law-keeping, then faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. Faith is set aside because it is a principle that is completely opposite to the law. Faith is a matter of believing, while law is a matter of doing. The promise would then be worthless because it would be based on conditions that no one would be able to meet. And that's basically kind of what I said there, is that we, we, can't, we can't fulfill the law. Only God can do that. Only a perfect being can do that. All right, verse 16. Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be agreed or may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham. So, so it's by grace for both. Everyone has grace. Or, in other words, everyone can have grace. Let's put it that way because we have to accept it. Because we can reject it. Just like you can reject a gift. Verse 17. As it is written... I have made you, quoting here, I have made you a father of many nations, end quote. He is the father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. 
I'm just going to keep going here. Verse 18. Against all hope, Abraham in hope, and so... I'm sorry, let me start that again. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. So the story of Abraham is, again, God promised him that he would be the father of many nations and that uh, his offspring would be as numerous as the sand and as uncountable as the stars. But here's the thing. Abraham was old. He was like 100 years old. And his wife Sarah was just as old. And obviously, when you get to that age, your womb is dead. They weren't able able to ever have kids. And so God is promising Abraham that he's going to have all these kids. Let's keep going here. Uh, verse 19, without weakening in, the, in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was able, since he was a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead because she couldn't have kids. Verse 20, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his face, faith and gave glory to God. So this is why Abraham was credited with such righteousness is because he had faith in the face of reality that his body was old, his wife's body was old, and she had never born a kid, but yet he still believed. Verse 21, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Verse 22, this is why it was credited to him as righteousness. Verse 23, the words, quote, it was credited to him, end quote, were written not for him alone, verse 24, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness for us who believe in him who raised Jesus out our lord from the dead so this is this is good news this is for us too but also for us to whom god will credit righteousness for us who believe in him who raised Jesus our lord from the dead praise god that we can have we can have that promise. We, we are credited with righteousness because of our faith. Verse 25. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. He was delivered over to death for our sins. It was our sins that he died for. Not his own. He was sinless. And was raised to life for our justification. That is so good. That is the good news right there, guys. That is the good news. That's the gospel in a nutshell. 
That is the good news of the gospel. That we can be justified because he died and rose again. I'm so glad that that we have the ability that God has set up this plan. It's an epic story. I was thinking about this today as I was out working, you know, driving around on a mower, that the Bible, when you think about it, like when I, whenever I read the Bible, and, and especially when I hear phrases like we had last week, you'll have to go back and listen to it, but it's like an epic. It's like someone is telling an epic story, and it really is. If you start in Genesis and read all the way through to Revelation, it is one big continuous story that is spans thousands upon thousands of years and thousands upon thousands of people and it, it it's all about when when Jesus comes okay in the gospels when Jesus comes that's that's like the mid climax of the story and then like if you think about Lord of the Rings, you know, then you have the offshoots of the Hobbit and things like that. It's almost like like a like the ending. Revelation is kind of the ending, the the ending uh, movie, whatever that they made three hours too long. You know what I'm saying? So it was, it's kind of like that. But you have when you read Romans, you have to think back to to the 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 old testament to abraham and it's so cool that paul pulls abraham into this to to help jews understand that that the gentiles are also justified by faith they are justified and the jews are justified god made a way for both and I'm so glad that he does that because, and he really hammers it and really kind of beats a dead horse in chapter four here. But it's really, it, the the Jews, I'm sure, needed it because the Jewish people were pretty hard-headed people. They had a hard time understanding the gospel. And Paul, they were so hard-headed that Paul actually shifts his ministry and starts ministering to the Gentiles only because the Jews were so hard-headed. They couldn't get out of their own way and accept the fact that God made a way not only for them, but also for the Gentiles. And so Paul shifts his ministry to just the Gentiles, and but right now he's, he's speaking to the Jews, and he's saying, look, God made this possible all the way back with Abraham because Abraham had had faith before he was circumcised, not after. So Gentiles, they're not circumcised, but they can have faith in Jesus Christ. They can be saved just like you can be saved. And and like we read in chapter 3 of Romans, Circumcision is not a physical thing anymore. It's a, it's a spiritual thing. It's a circumcision of the heart. It's no longer of the male member. It's of the heart. 
and every single person, man or woman, needs to be circumcised. And that's what Paul is saying here. And as we read on, as we go into chapter 5 here, we're going to get on some, some more great stuff that Paul says. I know this one was kind of a boring one because there wasn't a ton to expound on because Paul kind of gives us a history lesson here. And he kind of takes it back to Abraham to show the Jews and to show the Gentiles too that we can be saved just like the Jews can be saved. So we're going to move on from this in chapter 5, but this is where Paul had us in chapter 4 today, so I hope you guys got something out of it. Um, uh, Paul seems to share the gospel in almost every chapter of the book of Romans, so he finds a way to squeeze it in there. So I'm still blessed by this, even though it was kind of boring. We need to go through it so that every single person who might be listening to this can understand how the gospel can work, how we can have faith. And and I'm glad that Paul did this. I'm glad that Paul took us on this history lesson. So I'm going to pray for us, guys, and we're going to end out this podcast, all right? Father in heaven, I thank you that... You have, you have laid it on my heart to do this podcast episode once a week where I share your word with others. And I thank you that you are drawing people in to listen to these episodes. I, I, I never thought that, that anyone would want to listen to a Faith Friday episode, but they keep coming. And I thank you for that, God. I'm no no scholar by any means. I fumble my words. I'm I, I, I'm very imperfect. So I'm I'm grateful that you have chosen me to to do this on the platform that I have. And I just pray that you would bless our weeks this week. I pray that you would draw more people in to at least hear your word on a weekly basis. And I pray that you would help us to go out and be ministers of the gospel for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening, guys. Again, I hope you got something out of this. Make sure you check the the description below. You can find the Believer's Commentary down there. It is really good. I mean, it's a huge book. But it's really good. It it helps break things down, especially on those hard to understand verses. They do a really good job of breaking it down. And, and I really like it. And I appreciate they have little extras in the commentary and things like that. So if you're interested in that commentary or the Bible that I use, I use the NIV Study Bible. So if, if you want to check those out, you're more than welcome to. They're in the show notes below. But other than that, guys, thanks for listening, and I will see you next week for another Faith Friday episode.